1: It used to be that flying was only for those that had an airplane or a helicopter, maybe a hot air balloon. But these days, drone technology has changed all of that.
3: Yeah, we think about drones a lot. You've got varying levels of ability and these are not indestructible pieces of equipment.
1: While drones can be very helpful, they also pose risks to public safety. So how do lawmakers strike that balance? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Have you been outside lately? Maybe you were just taking a walk, minding your own business. And then, all of a sudden, you hear this faint whirring or buzzing sound. You look up and what do you see? Somebody using a drone. Drones can be used to take dramatic aerial photos and videos. They can be used for surveying property lines or even for delivering packages. But because drones can get almost anywhere, does that mean they pose a safety risk? Michigan Senator Gary Peters, he says yes.
4: I'm very concerned about drones, unmanned aerial systems that can be used as uh, weapons. We've certainly uh, seen uh, these drones used in wartime in Ukraine now. They're very sophisticated But they use very inexpensive platforms that can be purchased very cheaply and yet can be very lethal. Uh, There's a real concern that those kinds of weapons can get in the hands of people here in the United States. I've been working, for example, closely with the NFL, who is very concerned about drone incursions over football stadiums uh, during football games. In fact, just recently a game had to be delayed because of, uh, of a drone. We have authorities to deal with these drones, but those authorities actually expire on November 17th with the continuing resolution. And I'm working to make those authorities permanent so that our law enforcement folks can provide the resources, the technology, and the know-how to protect very public places from potential drone attacks.
1: Senator Peters is talking about bipartisan legislation that he introduced with two other senators. It's called the Safeguarding of the Homeland from the Threats Posed by Unmanned Aircraft Systems Act, which is a terrible title. But the law will do exactly what it says it will do. And it's not just Senator Peters that thinks about this. David Cowan is the chief public spaces officer for the Downtown Detroit Partnership.
3: Yeah, we think about drones a lot as part of both the safety plan, but as well as our marketing plan and how we show really unique angles and perspectives of the work that we do in the park. So it's both a tool that we use to make a great image of these parks, but it's also something that The public is getting more and more used to using and is more prevalent in recreational use. And so you have to be careful and strike a balance. We don't allow unauthorized drones to fly within the parks. Even if you are licensed, it's an airspace rule for us. With 4 million people that come through the parks, you can understand why we don't want objects of varying weights and professional ability flying overhead. And that's all in an effort to, again, balance the safety risk with the recreational use that these great drone shots and footage showcase to the greater public.
1: Here's the thing. I know what a drone is. In fact, my seven-year-old has a rudimentary one that we play with. It's fun, but I am no expert. And that's why I called Steve Derecki. He and his wife own Great Lakes Aerial Video Services. Steve has been flying drones for about a dozen years, putting him ahead of the curve.
2: I fly
5: RC airplanes, helicopters, anything that's remote control. And I rent a place where we fly indoors and we have a group that come in. And a buddy of mine brought a friend with him and he had a drone. They crashed it right away outside and they didn't want to get involved in doing this as a business because that's what he was planning on doing with another guy. And he asked me to go to the Woodward Dream Cruise to get some shop. And I went and did that probably about two weeks later. And uh, I was hook, line and sinker. I'm like, I want to fly drones for a living. <laughs> no one even heard of it.
1: So what risks do drones pose to the public? The Downtown Detroit Partnership welcomes millions of visitors a year to their parks. And of course, those parks are open air. Drone technology has forced David and his crew to adjust.
3: It is something that we're constantly evaluating and trying to balance a welcoming and friendly open park with what you need to do to keep people safe. And that is a fine balancing act.
1: You know, when we talk about, for example, keeping schools safe, some of the things people say as well, we should put a metal detector in the front. That will work. But people say, well, we don't want it to look like that. We don't want to give off the notion that this could happen, that it's dangerous. How do you do that?
3: It really is a blend and mix of a lot of different things. We do, for some of our larger events, deploy weapons detection technology. We do, for many of our events, have private security that is added additionally to what is already offered on a day-to-day basis in the park. So there's a number of things, depending on the situation, that we'll look to deploy. And that certainly can't be done without incredible collaboration with Detroit police, local law enforcement, county law enforcement, state law enforcement, all the way up to the federal level. So it is a really coordinated approach to security in public spaces.
1: Steve is a professional drone pilot. That's a real thing. He is FAA certified, which is required if you use drones to make a living. In fact, Steve will even teach you how to get your license.
5: I literally taught a class at Oakland University for five years for a certificate program to get registered with the FAA. It's called your Part 107, and for the FAA is re, you know your license from the FAA is required for every drone pilot that is doing it for business, and you have to take a test. You have to know everything about airports like a real airplane. You have to know all your airspace, your clouds, which include your weather, then all the rules for drones, and when I say airspace. You could only fly so close to an airport and then there's different ceilings for different type of aircraft. Now drones have a thing that if a plane or a helicopter use a transponder, I actually will pick it up and it tells me where he's at on my screen.
1: But what about novices? I mentioned earlier that I use a little drone with my son sometimes. The drone never gets above six or seven feet. We aren't very good at it. But Steve says even people like me need to know the rules.
5: I don't think that you should take anything up into airspace if not knowing rules. Amateur drones really can't get that far and that high. The cheapest you could probably get a really nice drone for is $800, $900. And if you could fly out that far, that means you could go that high. But there are limits you can set on your drone through an app that we fly through, On the height. Now mine is set for under 400 feet. So if I get about 390 feet up in the air, mine, you know, says maximum altitude reached. People don't know the rules regulation. I cannot. And there aren't really no waivers really to be able to fly over people and roads. I don't think that you should take anything up into airspace if not knowing rules.
0: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
1: How big of a deal is all of this? According to the website Drone Survey Services, there are over 850,000 registered drones in the U.S., and about two thirds of them are recreational. Steve says there is a segment of the remaining one third that use drones for a living but don't follow the rules. And he tells me the punishments can be steep.
5: Flying a drone and you don't have a license and you're using it for real estate, that's against the law. And to give you an idea, like let's say a $1,500 fine for the drone pilot for doing it for real estate, and the person who hired them, a real estate agent, it's like $11,500 fine. Wow. Yeah, so the person who hires them, because they know that every real estate agent knows that you need to be licensed to do it. And there are a lot of people out there that aren't licensed. That's where I have a problem. You know, I think a drone should not be able to take off on the ground until you go to a website and you take a test. And then that activates a drone so that you know what the rules are.
1: Like a gun safety lock almost.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, if something bad happens, it would hurt the whole drone thing because it would be all over the news that one person got hurt.
1: At the beginning of the podcast, Senator Peters talked about his concerns with drones being used as weapons which is legitimate. But if you ask David, the real issue is that people just don't know what they're doing. The law is to allow unauthorized drones to be removed from the sky by law enforcement. And I was thinking that the drone would have been deployed to do something nefarious. But to your point, you could just be in a park. Somebody has a drone. They lose control. It falls and hits somebody in the head. So it's not just people that are doing things they shouldn't be. It's people just making mistakes.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's more of that. You know, you've got varying levels of ability and you know, there's also weather conditions. So, I mean, these are not indestructible pieces of equipment, and, and they do fall. And, um, you know, occasionally we recover one on a building rooftop or something on a ledge nearby. And, and you know, it's, it's not a total uncommon circumstance. Certainly more common than someone using a drone for some sort of nefarious purpose.
1: This whole thing reminds me of an episode we did about artificial intelligence, which is super cool when used the right way. But if it's used improperly, it can be incredibly dangerous. And the same is true for drones. Now, the challenge for both is evolving our safety standards along with evolving tech. Easier said than done. Today's big thanks go out to David Cowan and Steve Durecki. Also, special thanks to WWJ's Beth Fisher for her conversation with Senator Gary Peters. Check out WWJnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want that Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening.